0: according to their gm who is um jesus christ was the cows gm
1: now i'm forgetting jesus christ names. uh yeah jesus, jesus christ was christ the gm general manager welcome back
0: y'all we can never get that part right we're going to get there eventually eventually we'll get to a point where we're perfect at this part um welcome back guys I don't, I don't, I don't this wanna,
2: is uh want to be perfect at that just cuz like it's kind of a little bit of our charm i think
0: that's fair. I don't disagree with you. I think, yeah, we are charming. Uh, some of us are charming. Yeah, I'd say overall two out of three. Um, yeah, we're pretty charming. Welcome back, y'all. This is episode one twenty four of NBA. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. It's up to the listeners to decide who is who are the two most charming people on this podcast and who. I disagree. Nikki's incredibly handsome. I don't think I don't think you are giving him enough credit. Look at that facial hair, look at that hair. It's quaffed. He's got a Hawaiian t-shirt close too.
2: He's
1: it's, a close second. He's Hawaiian You're shirt a distant credit.
2: You're a close you're, a, you're you're a distant third. I'm genuinely offended. I'm genuinely offended. <laughs> I mean, that's this good cuz that's what hurting. I was going
0: for. Wow. Wow. I'm sh- I'm shocked. I, um I, I love
2: that it. hurt, you know, I don't know
0: i do i do know this i do know this nikki now it's your turn no, say love you me. love me there it is it's on the record everybody you heard it here first i needed that uh how are you guys doing this week man how are you guys holding up
2: <laughs> you know gaining weight i i drank i drank i drank 80 percent of a bottle of tequila on tuesday night <laughs>
0: Dude, on, I'm, on Tuesday, I'm I bought four bottles. I bought four bottles of wine, and in one day, I yeah, drank I've two just of been them.
1: Been hammering back beers lately.
0: <laughs> it's bad, dude. It's so bad. Yeah, it's not good. I
2: was just I was making margaritas much. at first. I was like, first I was making them like the blended kind, and then I after like my fifth one, I was like, fuck it. I'm just pouring this in the glass in the glass. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: when, yeah. it, that's when
0: it gets bad That's that's the point where it's just like this I I was,
1: go, what I, uh, All I was gonna say is I could truly go for like a frozen margarita And some tacos It'd be perfect Mwah. Hell yeah dude
0: nice little marg mm. Give me a marg dude Yeah I yes. um,
2: we, we bought like and we were like Well we're not gonna fucking fuck around and try to make like real margaritas So we bought like a, We bought like a good bottle of tequila but Then we bought like what we thought was just margarita mix but it was like the pre-made margaritas so not only was i i was making pre-made margaritas mixed with more tequila (laughs) oh god
0: (laughs) let's go going up on a tuesday (laughs) going up on a tuesday it's beautiful it's beautiful Oh boy. You guys been watching any basketball? Nikki and I, Nikki and I watched basketball games. this week with, in in preparation a, a for this bit. podcast. That watched was fun. watched
2: uh, the 96 finals, a game or two.
0: That, underrated finals,
2: yeah. by the way.
0: As far as like the 90s are concerned, nobody ever underrated talks finals. about nobody Those nobody Sonic ever about were so fun that one
2: because everybody everybody no. talks about beating the like them beating the Jazz back to back. Mhm. Uh which kind of reasonable. And then everybody talks about the two prior to the 96 finals because there was no Jordan. It was, like, the opportunity for anybody else to win the finals. And then, obviously, I actually think the the, the 90s finals that gets talked about the least is the 91 finals.
0: I agree. Which is weird. I think, Which is odd because, like, that was their first one. So it's, like, such a pivotal it's – it's such a yeah. pivotal finals for Jordan's legacy. But, yeah, it seems to be the one that, like, for whatever reason, people – People tend to talk about the least, just in terms of like his legacy, because they beat like not a not a downtrodden Lakers team, but definitely a Lakers team that was on its last leg. Um, yeah, I mean it was the e- was like it was the pre- end of AIDS the, Magic, the, it was
2: the, the final year of of those great '80s Showtime teams.
1: Yeah, I also feel like right. I also yeah. feel like both uh, because both times after he like won the third time around he retired people think like talk about those more because it's such a big deal to win and then retire it's like whoa that's
0: a good point you know what that's a good point
1: twice it's like like but even like
0: like 96 96 was his first full season back from playing baseball the prior the prior playoffs they had lost to Shaq and the Magic so it was like this pretty important kind of like getting things back on track type of championship and I feel, I feel like it never gets talked about and like i just finished bill simmons book and S- steve kerr said that that's the best team that he's ever played on like of the bulls teams that he played on that was the best one wait
1: which which one the or 95 96
0: the 96 97 team
1: 90 no it would be
0: 95, or, no the 95 no no no. i'm sorry never mind. I, I take that back cuz the 95 96 team was the 72 and 10 yeah. team. He said the 70 the 96 97 team was the best team of that I Borels actually agree people. with that.
2: I I used to always confuse the two, like the year that they set the record. Like I always used to confuse the 95 96 record with the 96 97 record because like I always thought that that 96 yeah. 97 team was their best roster on paper yeah. at least. And that Strong. was the first time that they played yeah. against the Hell Jazz.
1: Yeah. And they played them again a second time mm-hmm. in the yeah. season yeah
0: i don't remember that i haven't seen i, didn't, I don't remember watching that series I I, I I to nikki's point like the 98 series seems to be the one that everybody goes back to because it was his last one so it's like the one yeah. that everybody revisits and it's like the on the iconic plays right like the strip of carl malone the push off of byron russell wha- like the- all that shit i look i'm not too good to admit you it i know what it was there's a lot of pushing in the NBA. It's a very it's a, handsy. It's a, sport. it's a physical game. Yeah. It's a physical game. Yeah. Anyways. Um, welcome back, y'all. This is episode 124 of NB Yay. We are celebrating today in this quarantine life that we're living, but we are here to talk more. Basketball. I am your host, Jay Kiles, aka um Arvidas Sabrosonis. yeah uh from the west coast wearing a hawaiian t-shirt
1: today sporting sporting a cool dad look introduce yourself Uh, sir. nikki kilas aka demontis sabone broth
0: okay okay you tried to one-up me i I see what you did there (laughs) Sabroseness. i think mine was better um, and last but not least, my my nin with the less melanin. Introduce yourself, <laughs> wow. sir.
2: Hey, it, it's it's uh, it's Tad, A.K.A. Uh, Dikembe Mutnumbo. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like that. That's clever. This I is been NBA it, I been getting much better. We are back. These. I think it's. I think honestly, what has helped me is like being able to use like historical players since we're like talking a lot about
1: these like. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Like the, the,
0: You're just reminded of all these names. Yeah.
1: Well, because uh, w- we were watching the Kings-Lakers, not to get ahead of ourselves, but Bobby Jackson. Oh, I completely forgot about that, man. Uh, was it Dude, Scott, I sent you that text. of Literally all
2: those players that were on those teams. I
1: know. It's just, But you you forget it. I, we watched them, and I was like, oh, right, Bobby Jackson. It's just Bobby insane. Jackson was
2: dope as hell. Looked good. Looked Hell good in a headband. Good. Guess
1: who did Derek Fisher? We talked about this when we were watching some of those games. Derek Fisher <laughs> looks so bad in headbands. So bad. I don't know why he was wearing on
0: so bad. Um, no, who was the guy, Nikki, that played for the Kings? Where like his name stuck out to me so much, and I'm like, oh fuck, I haven't thought about that guy forever. Uh, Doug
1: Christie, and now I
0: now his name is escaping me. No, not Doug Christie. He came off the bench. People forget about um, Doug
2: Christie a lot. Um, came off the bench. Thunderberg, Lawrence Thunderberg. Oh, Lawrence Thunderberg. Yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. Yes, Mateen <laughs> Mateen Cleaves from Michigan State. Um, obviously, Scott Pollard. Yes. Dude, they had a young Hito Turgaloo with frosted yes, tips. Yes, they did. And and Scott Pollard oh, yeah. also the had greatest frosted, frosted tips. tips. I love. yeah uh, Scott like, Pollard. I remember at, at one point had like, he had like he had like frosted tips and then like a big ass like handlebar. Mustache that was like all black. It was uh quite the look, man. Well, the yeah. Early two thousands were yeah. He had they, a Fu Manchu. Man the early two thousands were a better time.
0: <laughs> in some ways, <laughs> the fashion and everything about it was like I was watching the two thousand one Lakers Sixers game, and there was a dude. I posted on the IG account. There was a dude sporting a white T shirt with a black s- sweater vest, and I'm like, what? When was this okay? When did in two thousand one, baby? Two thousand one. 2001. What a year! The year of the sweater vest. 2001.
2: You were you were wearing like, uh, fucking you know the white tee with the sweater vest and some baggy like (laughs) some jeans that were cut well beyond even what boot cut not quite (laughs) jenkos, but they were they weren't they were they were worse than boot cut jeans. Yeah. Speaking of remember boot remember jeans wide (laughs) at the
0: ankle, just (laughs) the worst. I don't know why we ever thought those were cool. I saw
2: I was on Twitter one day. This was like several months ago, and GQ tweeted like cut jeans are making a comeback and I just responded no they fucking aren't
1: yeah they better not <laughs> <laughs>
2: I
0: won't allow it no. I will not or allow it. clean clean wholesome fashion that's what we're all about on the NBA I'm a, network I'm a, I'm a, I'm a and NBA gene, here there we aren't we all Taddeus. Um, guys, before we get into the 2002 season, which for the listeners, um, if you haven't up to this point, make sure to listen to the last three episodes. We've been getting in deep in some of these seasons since Michael Jordan retired, the 98 season that we just referred to, uh, and then... As recent as last week, doing the 2001 season. So, we thought we were going to get a lot more done each episode. Turns out we're getting really nostalgic. So, we're probably going to do about one season and episode at this rate, which I hope you can enjoy. But go back and listen to the last couple of episodes. We covered the 98 season, the 99 season, the 2000 season, the 2001 season. And now, today, we will be covering the 2002 season. But before that, I did want to talk about some current events because there are I just some wanted, things here I just of note.
2: To- Say something real quick, and that you, you are indeed correct. This, this, we have, we've, we've been getting in deep. This is not some fucking just the tip bullshit podcast. Like, we, we've been getting right up in there. We're going in, we're starting with
0: foreplay, going from the toes all the way to the forehead, okay? Going to the church, eating all the people, <laughs> ringing the bell, going back, do it again. Say the ABCs. What's that? A little bit of hello, 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 smack the volleyball, and then we get started. And that's what we're getting. (laughs) We're getting getting into all the nitty-gritty in these last couple of episodes. Really feeling ourselves. But before we get into the 2002 season, guys, it was announced last week that Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, and Kobe Bryant are a part of this year's Naismith Hall of Fame basketball class. Like any of us are surprised, by the way. Um, Obviously, we've talked about Kobe at not I. I, don't, I was going to say Ad nauseum, but frankly, can't talk about Kobe enough, especially over the last couple episodes, and he will continue to come up, obviously. Um, but Tim Duncan, who we talked about a little bit to start this series, but I it, obviously he will become more prevalent as the weeks go on, um, as his story kind of was created around this time. Um, in any case, um, Kevin Garnett, obviously another one who made the class again first ballot hall of famers no real questions or doubts here here's the big thing i feel like we talk about tim duncan and kevin or of me and kobe Bryant a lot on this podcast i wanted to talk about kg a little bit so i think we've all kind of like laid out our top 10 at some point and kobe and tim duncan are both in our in our in all of our respective top tens do we agree kobe
2: kobe and tim duncan yeah 100 percent.
0: yeah so i wanted to ask you guys two questions number one where does kg rank on your all-time list of players and you don't have to give me an exact number, but, like, give me a range. Unless so you I'm have an exact 15. number, of course.
1: Yeah, I say I would say... That's what I was, was
0: going to say. Point. I don't know where.
2: I'd, like, have to, like... I'd really have to, like...
1: Yeah. You'd yeah, have to list it out Because, like,
2: your, your top 10 and top 5, even, are, like, relatively easy to do. Like, there are a few who you're like, oh, Super. maybe, like, this guy's at 7, but, like, realistically, he's got a shot at the top 5. But, like, they're... They're pretty easy to do. The top 25 thing, that's when it starts getting more and more difficult because, like, you start, you're start you really starting to compare across eras and you're really starting to, like, it's like, you know, like, um, oh, who's that dude he, that Cat played in the 80s? Uh, he's an assist, he was an assistant coach. Adrian Dantley, is that right? <coughs> like, oh, if you, yeah. if you was look beast. at his numbers, incredible player. Nobody really remembers him, though. Like, nobody, nobody from our generation, obviously, because he played in the 80s. But, like, he averaged, like, 25 no. and 8. That's, like, his career numbers. But, like, Damn. nobody, I mean, not, like, his overall career, but, like, at the peak of his career, like, for a, a good stretch. And it's, like, nobody talks about that guy. And, like, is he worthy of top 25? I don't really know. I can't really say. I wasn't alive then. I didn't watch him play. No. But, he I mean, he probably isn't. The, but the point I'm making, though, is that you just, like, you—you you, there are these guys that kind of get forgotten, but it's, like, oh, fuck, man, like, yeah, they were pretty fucking good, too, so.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, Danley. from what I, so
0: from what I know, from reading about him in Bill Simmons' book and then also um, seeing his part of the Bad Boys documentary, he was a guy who was, like, I'm trying to come up with a comparison of this generation. So, like, he was, like, the 80s version of, like, uh, Like a Bradley Beal, but th- that couldn't play defense. Like somebody who would fill up the stat sheet. It's like a Zach Levine. Um, like would get his would get his points. Yeah. Zach Levine might be a better example, actually. Like until he went to the Pistons, like he was like – Now, that's actually – Now, I take that back because Danley was a perennial all-star mm. in Denver and then got traded to the Pistons, made it to the finals. They did – I think they won – Yeah. They won one with Danley and then they won the second one with Mark Aguirre. But like – Adrian Dantley was like a big scorer, not a defender. Mm, from mean, what I know,
2: averaged, his career averages are twenty four points, six boards, and three assists a game, while with a career shooting percentage of uh, where am I just passed it of five forty. Oh wow! Like wow! D- I,
0: he's definitely a Hall of Famer. Nobody's taking that away from him.
2: But like, oh my god! Like he's like, like that's what I'm saying though. Is he a top twenty five player of all time? He probably could be, but like nobody talks about him. No. Nah.
0: Never, not that never the top player on a championship team. Never made it to the championship before he got to Detroit. I think championships um,
2: hold too much weight. I'm Sorry, I
0: disagree. I think if you're one of the top three players on a championship team, I think that actually absolutely adds to your resume. I mean, so then do we take away from a lot of the guys in the '90s who never won one?
1: That's usually what ends up hurting them.
0: That's not what I'm saying. So, so here's here's like my two criteria for a Hall of Famer. Here's my two. Here's like the two big ones you were either top five at your position during your peak, and that peak has to have lasted for at least seven, oh. six seasons. Five seasons, let's say. Five seasons. Five seasons, top five at your position, um, or top 15 in the league, right? All NBA talent for a five-year stretch. Or you have to have been one of the top three players on a uh, – uh, uh, on a championship team, and also have been like NBA All Star caliber and like top 20 in the league at any given okay, point.
2: So here's my thing Adrian Dantley, 79 80, 28 points, 80 81, 30.7, 81 30.3, 82 30.7, 83 30.6, 26.6, 86, uh, 29.8, 87, 21.5, 88, 20. I don't like okay. Like we're we're getting into semantics, and we're, we're arguing not, a topic that we don't even need to talk about. Sure, but like I I don't know. Here's
0: here's my point. I think KG. I agree. Top twenty-five on my list. I don't know the exact number. I'm probably leaning closer to twenty-five than I am to twenty. Um, I think for KG, his case is won an MVP. Did Danley ever win an MVP? Um, I
1: don't think so
0: sure he did. No, didn't.
2: two-time All NBA, two-time scoring champ, six-time All Star, All Rookie, Hall of Famer, obviously. Yeah.
0: Can we call him? Can we? Can we
2: call him the A, the AI of the eighties? <laughs> Potentially. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Enough I mean, about
1: him. better. He was. He was, affi-
2: he was. No, he's probably he close, an efficient he's, scorer though. Yeah.
0: Probably closer to T Mac. He's probably the T Mac of the eighties. fifty-four percent. Yeah. That's. Uh, so we agree that he's the T Mac of the eighties. I think KG won the won an mvp best arguably the best player on a championship team um although you can make a case Mm -hmm. for paul pierce is the best player on that team um defensive player of the year what 15 time all-star um definitely top 25 resume if you ask me multiple time all nba um the uh, and yeah, uh, just I, I, like, I yeah, leader. I want to be leader. very clear. I'm,
2: I'm not in any way trying to disparage Kevin Garnett or like say that, you know, like Adrian Dantley, for example, was a better player. I'm The point I was overall like that we're getting back to is that the top 25 is, starts to get way more subjective than the top 10 and top 5 are because the top 5 and top 10 guys I completely are, agree. are clearly the best players of all time. I agree. I agree. Now, with that being
0: said, would imagine that we all would slot kevin garnett into a power forward position 100%. 100 yes okay what number is he in terms of the best power forwards of all time mm.
2: that's
0: a this is a fun one i was thinking about this this morning i'm like i want to i want to have this conversation so here's what here let's, let's do this let's do this let's go one by one by one and we will name off our top five power forwards of Another all time one. And see if number Kevin Garnett's even on the him. list.
1: Tim Duncan. Go go ahead. Yep, I agree. Tim Duncan is number one. Carl Malone. I agree. Three. Charles Barkley. Is he? You don't think he's a power forward? No,
2: don't don't interrupt. You can't. Que- can't. You can We cannot question anybody's answers until the end.
1: Yeah, because I think he's a power go forward.
2: Ahead, go ahead. No, 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 not that he's a power
0: forward.
1: I'm saying he's um, number three. Yeah, I think so. No,
2: don't don't ask if he's number three. Just yeah. let
0: him answer no, the question. I think go ahead.
1: Right. Go 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 go. Um, go go go. Four and five. I think Kevin Garnett might be my fourth because I can't even think of a fifth. I like that. I'm trying to think. I guess technically, no, no, I can't think of anyone else for number five. Fuck. You don't I can't think of many power forwards all of a sudden I can, I can and I'm sure money. there's someone that's very good that just like has slipped my mind but those are definitely the four. yeah there's there's definitely somebody slipping definitely, your mind right well, now who is it because those are the four that definitely hit, hit you first
0: Tad, Tad, why don't you give Nikki your five I, I, I wonder if yours is in that five so
2: my five is number one is Tim Duncan number two is Carl Malone number three is Kevin Garnett Number four is Charles Barkley. Number five, probably Kevin McHale. But there's a there's an argument to be made for Dirk.
1: Ooh, yeah,
0: yeah. I my list is exactly the same as Taz, except I have Dirk as the number five yeah, over Kevin. McHale. I, I
2: thought I, I had to think about it, and I think I would take Kevin McHale, but again, like Kevin McHale, I don't know if, how well Kevin McHale matches up with Dirk in a game of like one-on-one or like in a game played, you know, outside of the eras just because of the difference in play style of those eras. But Kevin McHale was like just such a dominant, dominant player. That said, Dirk was, you know, obviously also very dominant and, and Dirk is, uh, you know, pretty high on the, uh, the all-time scoring list. But to some degree, you also kind of wonder like, you know, where would Kevin McHale be if he didn't play with, like you know like all the talent that they had in yeah, cuz so i i think like i think i've just talked myself into giving dirk the nod at 5 over Kevin yeah
1: McCown. i think i think i also would put dirk at 5 because, because i also think like dirk won a championship all by himself pretty much like that's hard to that's very right, hard to do exactly
0: yeah i think the thing is like i think some people slot dirk in as a center in some cases which is just wrong He played the majority of his career power forward. And like same thing with Tim Duncan. Like a lot of people are like, Oh, I think he was a center. It's like, no, he played the majority of his career at power forward, so let's not forget that. Um, no, I, I'm I, I think so too. Like, obviously, like I said at the beginning, all these guys, no brainer first yeah. ballot hall of famers, but the Kevin Garnett conversation is an interesting one as to like where does he slot all the Because, like there's a part of me that thinks that Kevin Garnett doesn't get enough he doesn't. respect because he played during he because he played at yeah. the same
2: time as Tim Duncan. I don't even think I don't even think it's that. I, I think it's just that those Timberwolves teams never did anything. They didn't do jack. You know, like it, it wasn't yeah it wasn't he wasn't like those teams you know never really did anything um and he didn't really accomplish anything t- towards until like towards the twilight of his career when or like the yeah like the, like start, like kind of on the on the downward or like on, like the start of the decline not that it was like a huge drop-off not that like suddenly yeah, like, that was, was terrible was and, and rode coattails but he wasn't the dominant force that he was and i mean like Dude, he was, uh, like, I, I mean, I remember being in, like, you know, middle school and shit, and everybody fucking loved KG. I I, I never was a big KG fan, like, purely from a just, I just don't I like love the KG. guy I Loved KG. But, um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, at, at best, he made one conference finals, Um, basically just got beat out of the first round of every playoff series. Not his fault. It was a Minnesota thing, but um, he, as a player, was – so, so yeah. incredibly dominant in Minnesota. I was watching a game in the 99 season where he was playing against Akimbe and the uh, and the Hawks. And just like... It's Dikembe. What? I said it again. I know, I know, I'm, I know. I'm, I'm working just, on it. I wasn't going to say anything
2: this time. I was just going to let you sound like a <laughs> jackass. You
0: fuckos. I, uh... Yeah. I... What, whoops. Uh, <laughs> anyways, he was incredible. He, also, I don't think Dikembe gets enough credit that, either. Nice. Dikembe was a beast.
2: His... I think I think DeKembe gets actually maybe more credit than he was potentially deserved just cuz people always know him you think so? no 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 like people know who he yeah. is and like people kind of yeah. like he was a pretty pedestrian offensive player for the most part um but oh, yeah, he wasn't like of a Dikembe was he's still a great player great defense like, I, um yeah. dude KG man that little turnaround jumper from the short corner that he had one of the oh, most yeah. deadly moves ever like you know like you guys have like signature oh, yeah. move and his was the the turnaround jumper from from the short corner yeah um yeah just like the little like on the
0: block just gives them a little shimmy whap and yeah. boom every time every time nonstop that that and the elbow jumper like his elbow jumper was basically un- un- unstoppable oh yeah like if he if he picked if he picked at the top of the key or anything like that and rolled to the elbow that jumper was unstoppable i
2: think he was the most dominant player. Out Lebron is 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 different, but outside of Lebron, KG was the most dominant player to come out of high school and just immediately be really fucking good, yeah. like just oh yeah, like was oh, yeah. putting up you know twenty points in the league as a fucking eighteen year old child.
1: Yeah, no, he's yeah. doing very good right out yeah. the back.
0: Well, congratulations to KG, Tim Duncan, and Kobe Bryant for making it to the Hall of Fame or being inducted into the w- Hall of Fame. And, um, of course, unfortunately, Kobe won't be able to attend, but congratulations just, to the Bryant the family. That was Bryant the last family. thing
2: I, I wanted to say, too. How insane is it that we are talking about Kobe Bryant being inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, posthumously? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's not a sentence you'd think you'd say. Anyways. Like, you, you, no. like uh, Bill Russell's still alive.
1: Yeah.
0: You know? Right. Yeah, well, that's what, like, I was listening to a podcast, and they were like, you have to put this in in the grand scheme of things. Like, only two MVPs in the history of the NBA, MV, uh, of the NBA are not alive, and that's Will Chamberlain and Moses Malone. They're the only two MVPs in the history of the NBA, NBA yeah. that are not still alive. Every single one of them is still alive. And now Kobe. Yeah. And now Kobe. Like, it's just, you see these guys, and, like, they're all around, and they're always around forever. Like, they just seem to be around all the time Kobe Kobe was supposed to be this
2: generation's like Bill Russell who's like you know yeah always, always present and that kind of thing right right
0: yeah it's unfortunate man um the next thing I did want to talk about before we get into the 2002 season is I want to temper expectations but the Bulls finally made a good decision now a lot of people don't realize this and I didn't realize it either until I read an article this morning on the ringer this is the first external Bulls hire in the Jerry Reinsdorf era. Since 1985, the Bulls have not made an external hire for a basketball executive since Jerry Reinsdorf took over. That's, That's fucking crazy. nuts. That's nuts. That's 35 years since they've made an external hire at the executive basketball level. Insane. Insane. Um, Gar Foreman has stepped down uh, as the VP of Basketball Operations, and uh, as has Gar Foreman as GM. Um, they since have hired, I'm going to get this, Arturas Karnisovas, who was the general manager for the Denver Nuggets uh, for the last seven years, and prior to that worked for the Houston Rockets um, as their director of international scouting uh, under Darryl Morey. Um, Chicago rejoiced, as you would expect, Although in true Bulls fashion they have not fired Gar Forman or no. John Paxson as of yet. They're probably not so going to. guys, how do we feel about how do we feel about this hire? I, I have hope, a lot
1: to say
2: so I'll let, I'll let Nikki start. No,
1: truly all I'm going to say is I hope it actually does lead to some changes cuz I don't have any faith in the Bulls and I assume Ryan Zor's is going to fuck this up somehow.
0: I mean the guy's resume is impressive. He's already made a hire today um, as he hired an assistant GM uh, J.J. His last name I'm forgetting. He was the director of basketball operations, senior director of basketball operations for the Pelicans. Um, and um, according to their GM, who is um, Jesus Christ, was the Cavs GM. Now I'm forgetting Jesus his Christ. Name.
1: Uh, yeah, Jesus, Jesus Christ was Christ, the GM. General
0: manager. Um, no. David, uh, David, what's his face? who was the CRM or the CRM. Jesus Christ. He was the GM for the, for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, the, during the LeBron uh, era. Um,
2: Fucking Christ. My God. Why can't I think of his name? David Griffin. Mm,
0: Thank you. Yes. Uh, David Griffin. I kept, my mind kept um, going to Denny Ferry. Gave this guy was GM like 15 years ago. Oh, I know. Um, David Griffin had a lot of good things to say about this guy. I he said he's a cap specialist. Uh, a, a, a cap specialist, payroll specialist, um, which, as many listeners may remember, Gar Foreman once uh, asked another executive to explain the rules to the cap. Um, so we can only go up. Uh, and they're already looking at GMs from the Magic, from, uh, from Denver, from a variety of different places. Uh, not Denver, pardon me. Um, Denver, we hired uh, their, like, director of basketball operations. But in any case, hires are already being made. A lot of rumors coming out that Jim Boylan is going to get fired. So, so far, so good for me. But, Tad, you, you seem to have uh, many things to say. So, please, the yeah, floor I mean, is yours. Yeah, I mean,
2: like, he's, like, frankly, I thought this was a really good hire. Um, but the Bulls have already hamstrung him and keeping Foreman and Paxson in the building. Um, he doesn't have a real snowball's chance of actually doing anything successfully. While those two are in there, because they will continue to do whatever they can to pull any levers and strings uh, to prevent him from having success. That is my humble and firm belief. Um, so yeah, super great hire by all accounts. Like anybody who like you know follows basketball to the extent that like you know I think like myself does, or like the other like you know hardcore fans who follow like the GMs and the coaching changes and all that stuff uh, would would one hundred percent say this is a phenomenal hire. The problem is if you're going to hire somebody like that, you have to clean house. You have to get rid of like the internal people who are going to uh, potentially cause problems. And they have the bulls simply won't do that. Um, Jerry Reinsdorf is, is he's just loyal to a fault or I don't even know if it's loyalty or just like, eh, people still buy tickets and people still show up. I don't care. Which I think with Ryan, the Reinsdorf's, it's a little bit
1: of that. It's probably the um, latter.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of always been my understanding um, based on all of the people that I, I know um, that are Bulls fans and also living in this illustrious city of ours. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just I just think he's set up to fail and I don't think it's going to work out because I think he's going to get undermined by those two guys who will continue to have uh, a significant amount of pull in the front office, I assume. Yeah, probably.
0: Yeah, I I agree. the The thing that gives me hope is... As an organization that is, has been given a very uh, well-deserved label as a, a poorly run organization and and not a, a player-friendly organization um, to some extent, to have a guy who comes from a smaller market team who built that team without any major free agent, uh, free agent signings, like the biggest free agent they've signed over the last 10 years was yeah. Paul Millsap, um, Paul, Paul really Trilsap. building it through – There you go. Like, really building that roster through intelligent trades for guys like Will Barton and then drafting guys like Nikola Jokic, um, uh, uh, fucking, uh, what's-his-face, Gary Harris, um, Jamal Murray, like, really building that team with quality players, even drafting a guy like Yusuf Nurkic and then trading him, like, and getting Will Barton in return for that trade, like, you're, you're talking about some, like, real just really high quality drafting, high quality trades and building up a team without having to bring in this like star free agent. Um, And, and to some extent, like he's going to have to do that here. Like we've, depending on who you ask, we've got a nice core group of players here in Chicago. Um, We're definitely missing that marketable star, that person who's really going to elevate us to the next level, because it's definitely not Zach Levine, but um, you know, there's, there's some guys here that either A, if we bring in the right coaching staff, we can mold into much better players, or B, we can leverage as assets to bring in even better players or more draft picks, which I'm interested to see the route that he goes because I think this team is closer to making the playoffs than they are to tanking again. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does with this team. They had a huge jump um, in wins when he took over as GM um after Tim Connolly got promoted. So I'm really interested to see. So I, I agree with Tad. If if John Paxton and Garforman have any semblance of an opinion on anything that happens, we're fucked. But if the stores hire this guy and let him do his thing I'm he's got a he's got a really, really impressive resume and I'm I'm really fucking pumped about it I this. will
2: say um excuse me. Sorry. <clears throat> Yawning on the microphone, that's good radio. <laughs> um, the one thing I, I, I will say is, uh, you know, you are kind of mentioning, like, getting, like, you know, like a, a, a star, like a true, you know, marketable star player. Um, I cannot, outside of Michael Jordan, the Bulls have never had a player for me that really made me excited about the Bulls. Now, I know what both of you are going to say. Both of you are going to be like, no, ah, Derek Rose, no, no, no. And, like, that's, that's totally... Uh, Fine and, and fair game um, I, I Derek Rose is a very talented player But Derek Rose like never moved the needle Enough for me to be like I'm into the Chicago Bulls like they just have So they've just never Had like Cool players They, they just have never had Any players who I'm like These guys like it's like oh Derek Rose is great But then like your best second best player is Car- Carlos Boozer and like <laughs> Carlos Boozer is not getting me out of bed in the morning You know what I mean that is not true. That is
0: not true. Those teams had Luol Deng and Joe. Luol Deng is a very fucking very boring
2: much. ass player who plays good defense and shoots 18. Two-time he shoots All-Star. 18 footers. Two- he plays good defense and shoots Two-time 18 All-Star. footers. He's the king of the long two. Shot a lot of three pointers. Luol Deng, more like long two Deng, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's bad. Wow. You're better than that. I'm just I'm just saying though. That, like the Bulls have that. never had like since Michael have never had like a player where I'm like, Oh man, fuck yeah, like I'm gonna root for like the Portland Trailblazers have Damian Lillard and I'm like, fuck yeah, I love Damian Lillard. I wanna watch the Trailblazers and like Yeah you I know what that. I mean? Like they're they're just yeah, it's 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 sort of like the Knicks have had this same problem. Like Carmelo Anthony fun I, I loved the Knicks when Omari Stoudemire was their number one guy. But like Carmelo Anthony doesn't never move the needle enough for me to be like, "Oh, the Knicks are dope and Carmelo's dope." Like it just, you know. So, I'd love for the Bulls to do that That's because great. I'd love to be able to go to Bulls games not to watch the other team. And look, if I want if I'm going to be I'd, completely honest, like the Magic really haven't had players that have moved the needle for me in a long time either. I root for them and I watch them, but I don't yeah. particularly I love agree. like any of the players. Markel Fultz right now I is agree. the first guy in a long time that I've felt that way about. JJ Reddick, obviously, when he was still in Orlando, but I mean, that's not a, a big time marketable star. It's, he's the biggest marketable star. So, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well done.
2: Well, guys,
0: I think it's about that time. It is time for the 2002 NBA season review. NBA season review, if you will. Nikki. Hit him with it.
1: July 18th, 2001. Summer was in full swing, and our big boy Shrek just finished crushing it at the box office with $484 million worldwide. Well, somebody once told me that Patrick Ewan played for the Magic. I never believed them. But on July 18th, they signed the, the 39-year-old for what would be his final season. This day would also see 38-year-old Charles Oakley join the Bulls. Not just old people were moved around this day, as New Jersey and Phoenix SWAT point guards Stephon Marbury and Jason Kidd. Also, the man who was once stepped over, Tyron Lue, signed with the Wizards on this day. July 19, 2001, the very next day, the Orlando Magic continued their old big man buying spree as they signed 36-year-old Horace Grant. August 2, 2001. Another big old legend is moved as 39-year-old Hakeem Olajuwon is traded to the Raptors for what would be his final season. This seems to be known as the season of the old men moving. As September 25th, 2001, the old train keeps a-rolling as 38-year-old Michael Jordan I almost said the wrong Michael. As 38-year-old Michael Jordan decided (laughs) America needed their golden boy back and signed with the Wizards to join Ty Lue. The 2001 NBA draft was much nicer to fans as we got future household names like Paul Gasol, Tony Parker, and Zach Randolph. But this also brought a sacrificial lamb as the first overall pick who would later join Jordan and tie in Washington was Kwame Brown.
2: Oof. He had tiny hands.
1: Tiny, tiny hands. <laughs>
0: yeah. And a vagina. Hey, man. Michael Jordan called him a pussy. He
2: did. He also... He also called him some <laughs> other. He also called him some <laughs> other names that, that people. He called him some homophobic yep. slurs.
1: Yeah, I'm Probably sure he did. Many, many I'm time. sure he
2: did. Uh, can I just say before we hop into this too far? Uh, number one, I didn't realize that all the olds had moved around this off season.
1: This was the off uh, season that all the old people n- moved around. Number uh, two, uh, the NBA saddest old.
2: the saddest photo I've ever seen is the photo of. Uh, Hakeem in his Raptors jersey Guarding Patrick Ewing yeah. In his
1: Magic jersey
2: It's just sad It's awful
0: It makes yep.
1: me so sad It's crazy Because like the season before Where like Tracy McGrady is, is now on the Magic And then the year right after that Who do they bring Fucking <laughs> what, what are I forgot who the other Magic Hor- 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 Horace, Horace Grant, Grant Patrick Ewing And Patrick Ewing Tooth <laughs> <laughs> two late 30s centers, and they're like, "Let's do it." I mean, Horace, the Horace Grant was back
2: for uh, for the encore yeah. in Orlando because he had he had right, played second there in time, the, in the second mid-90s. time, second time. Yeah, was on that the the, the mm-hmm, finals mm-hmm. team.
1: If I'm not mistaken, that was his second to last <laughs> season. So the the Magic decided to get the and if I'm not mistaken, like two years ago we had said had uh what was it uh who would get had their last season with the Magic um I forgot all of a sudden. Sean Kemp, Sean Kemp <laughs> Is that Atlass- No, no, Thank no, you. no. Dominique, Dominique, Wol- oh, okay. yeah, Dominique yeah, yeah. Wilkins, Dominique yeah, Wilkins yeah, yeah. also right. just a couple seasons prior. The Magic are real yeah. big fans of giving. Oh, that poor picture. Ted, <laughs> it's put up just the so. Pictures. Oh, that picture. It's so- just so sad. It's really bad yeah. to
2: like,
0: look at. For the listeners, they, we are looking at the the Raptors Hakeem versus Magic. They, uh,
2: they just look. They look tired. <laughs> <laughs> oh for sure and the thing is like they're 39 that's, it's not like these oh. guys were like 60 or like you know 50 still trying to go no. like 39 <laughs> like well, jay you're what like 37 oh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll be there soon
1: well it feels it feels I'll like when soon. you remember when you were a kid and you would go to like to the just the gym your dad would play pickup basketball and it's him and his all his old friends and every once in a while you g- they would let you guys like, that's, what, probably, that photo that's like. what that photo looks like that photo looks like it's just like, oh, it's just like, oh, it's just a couple yeah. of dads playing basketball, but they're getting paid very well for it. <laughs> like, they, <laughs> they oh, look man. like once they're done, they're going to be freaking icing their knees, drinking a beer, talking about what they got to get their wife for their anniversary. Oh, shit. I just realized <laughs> it's today. I got to hurry up. The kid's
0: failing out of school.
1: Yeah, one of the kids is failing. <laughs> Patrick Ewing oh, Jr. Man, was good. smoking a cigarette the other day, so I'm gonna have to go deal with that now. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, y'all remember
2: remember Patrick Ewing Jr.? He didn't suck. He was
0: NBA uh, like an NBA like an NBA player for what three years?
2: Yeah, I mean by sure. NBA standards, he kind of sucked. Uh, he was pretty, pretty. Oh well, yeah, he was he a was, bad he was NBA pretty player, much, player. Pretty much, pretty much. Uh, only in the league because uh, who his father was and because he he was a, a fairly respectable player at Georgetown, but I mean he wasn't good. <laughs> well, he went to he went
0: to Indiana, didn't he?
2: No, he went to George Georgetown. Oh, he that's started. Right. He did what? start at Indiana. But he he started, he started in Indiana, in Indiana he? but That's he transferred to Georgetown. That is correct. So I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, I didn't right. mean to mock I you. That. That's um, all right. Dude, That's his all right. he he That's had right. he averaged. I could Google this, and somebody can fact check me here. But he averaged like eight points a game as a senior at Georgetown. I'm looking it up right now, and I accidentally put, and somehow still damn. and somehow still got drafted.
1: At one point, I definitely did put Patrick Ewing too, <laughs> and I was like, oh, screwed that up. Uh, <laughs> but oh. No, that's not a real wrong one. Pat, wrong Patrick Ewing. Sorry, I put in Patrick Ewing Jr. Put me at some guy who's only played seven games in his career.
0: Oh boy. Well, let's get into it, guys. Um, so the 2002 season. What a <laughs> what an interesting season. I'd like to start by talking about Michael Jordan, uh, joining the Wizards after two, three years of being retired at the ripe old age of 38. I have taken some time over the last couple weeks to watch some Michael Jordan Wizards games. And there's some good, there's some bad, and there's just some god-awful basketball in those three seasons. Two two two. seasons? Three seasons. I think it was three... Two seasons. Two seasons that he came back. Um, What do you guys remember from that
2: period? Dude, I, I, I actually, like sort of fun like i i remember like playing like nba like nba live and like still like just going off like with jordan like still playing with jordan um i i actually like remember him being probably better than he i mean he wasn't bad but like i i probably i probably remember him being better um than he actually was at that time i think i think around this time was when like Um, you know, we obviously talked at length about Kevin Garnett, but I feel like this was around the time where I remember like Kevin Garnett, like being like really popular and and sort of on the rise. And, uh, I'm, this is like, you know, right around the time where Kobe was really hitting his stride into like, you know, he was obviously very good prior to this, but like Kobe was like sort of getting into that, like, oh, I could be the alpha dog on this team instead of Shaq. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of like, that was around the time that this started. Um. But yeah man, like I, I just I, I, I still remember like hanging out with my friends and playing like PlayStation and firing up NBA Live and, and, and we were all still fighting over who got to play with Michael.
1: Yeah, I, I looked up his <laughs> stats this in the 2001 2002 season he averaged 22.9 points per game, 5.7 rebounds, 5.2 assists and 1.5 steals.
0: Now, what's interesting is like this is super timely because Jerry Stackhouse just got yeah. interviewed recently and was talking about how hard it was to play with Michael, like as a guy who you idolized growing up, and then playing on a team that like kept feeding him the ball, even though you knew at that point in time you were probably better than him. Dude, which... Jerry Stackhouse was
2: never better than Michael. Jerry Stackhouse was fucking trash. I don't care. Forty-five-year-old <laughs> Michael Jordan could have schooled twenty-four-year-old Jerry Stackhouse. <laughs> Jerry Stackhouse was Jerry not Stackhouse has like a career a career shooting percentage of like thirty-nine percent. He was, he was Baker? he was a he was a, a slightly better Larry Hughes. He was early two thousands basketball personified. <laughs> I you know what?
0: I take everything I was going to say back. I completely agree with that sentiment. I have no, I have no arguments
1: and no rebuttals. Forty percent, Jerry. That Stankos, was said, by the way, in his career. Yeah,
0: dude, get your shit together. You. Fucking I'm sorry,
2: forty. I'm pretty sure Nick Young has a higher career field goal percentage than fucking forty. Look
1: it up. Probably,
2: you're probably sure. right. Like Jerry Stackhouse, on, like, these the he scored have a so lot of points, but he was mm-hmm. unbelievably inefficient. One year he scored, let's see, the, it, the one year in Detroit, he scored thirty points a game while shooting forty percent from the floor.
1: <laughs> Nick Young is uh, she's point two percent field though he
2: would he averaged he averaged 30 points a game on 24 shots a game 24 shots to score 30 points that's how you think about it lebron lebron scores 30 and takes like 14 shots yeah that's right you're right
0: no so going back to tad's point about like mj like I watched a lot of his games. I watched a game where he went up against Kobe and like did really well. I watched a game against the Bulls, which was such a sad Bulls. He was like Ron Mercer, Charles Oakley's old ass, fucking Brad Miller, Ron Artest, uh, Kevin Ollie was the starting point guard. That was Tyson Chandler's rookie season, Eddie the, Curry's isn't rookie season. is that the game
1: where um, Jordan gets blocked by Ron Artest, I think, and then he comes back, blocks Ron Artest at the other end, and then dunks it or something, does something cool at the other end to score. There's a game... He got yeah, the block off the off the, the, glass. Off the glass, remember? Two-haul, the two-handed two-hand, block off the glass. Off.
0: This was 38-year-old yeah. Michael. This is the first game... This is the first game... I think it was his first game back like playing against the Bulls. Not back in Chicago, just yeah. against the Bulls in general. And I think it was Ron Mercer goes up for a layup, and Jordan just comes out of nowhere and just fucking glasses his shit with two hands, and then cocks it back, lands, and then starts the fast break. Like, Even at that point in time, like to Tad's point... He was not bad. Like, he was still an all-star caliber player at 38. Now, he wasn't that Michael anymore, but, man, there were some games. Now, again, I watched the second game when he came back to Chicago and was, like, fucking four for 19 in the first three quarters with, like, six points total. Like, really, 10 turnovers. Like, finished the game with, like, 22.
2: He could not be four of 19 with six points. There there is no way... Given NBA. scoring in the NBA, <laughs> that he could make four field goals and have scored six three? points. Did I say three? You said four say, of 19 with, four? with six points. Three I of just 19. just want to clarify for uh, the people listening at home that the rules in 2001 and 2002 were not different.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Taddeus. Uh, but he, I think he finished that game with like 21 points, like seven boards, and like, 10 turnovers like those were the types of games you were getting from michael way more regularly than than what you were accustomed to but every once in a while you got a glimpse of that mid range he like and he played a different style of game like he was playing on the block a lot more like backing dudes down like taking advantage of of that like of and, and kind of being a little bit more savvy of a basketball player getting his points Picking a little bit spots, like uglier dude, kinds of things, um
2: which he always yeah, kind of did. Yeah. He did like throughout his career, but it was, it was, it, he played, there was less more like, it was less of a frantic pace and it was more of like a methodical game, like that he played yeah. at that time. Right.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was, I mean, I enjoyed it. I remember back then, like, being a kid who was like, big into the NBA, not really getting a chance to enjoy Jordan during his heyday and thinking like, Oh cool. This is my moment to actually watch Michael. It sucks that he's not with the bulls. This is kind of awkward. And just like watching him and just like, I just remember at that time just being in awe of what he was still capable of doing. Despite the fact that like, like I said, watching it now through, through arguably like a slightly more educated viewpoint of basketball, like seeing, Seeing some really good but some seeing some, some, some pretty mediocre type shit as well. But overall, like just yeah, incredibly impressive in for that age.
2: It's very funny to me that he Oh did you? Like he came back that year, but he actually had a better season from an efficiency and like overall standpoint his the following season in yeah, Washington than he did. He had he had a better season at thirty nine than he did at thirty eight. Um
0: yeah, I mean, the numbers would, would argue differently, but I agree with Tad that he was more efficient and was like better for the team, I guess. That team was interesting, though, dude. I completely forgot about Shahidi White. Tell you that oh much. Oh my God. Completely forgot about Jahiti <laughs> White. What a name. Watching these games, I'm like, I totally forgot. And like, I. So watching these games, like, it's inevitable. You watch these games from the early 2000s, you're like, oh shit, I forgot about this Popeye guy. I forgot Jones. about this guy. I forgot. Like, ira nesby i don't know who you're talking about i have no idea no 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 nesby was his last name i don't know the fuck he was um um, christian leitner was on that um, wizards team oh yeah christian leitner was on that team fucking popeye jones was on that team byron russell was on that team for a season that was richard hamilton's like rookie and sophomore years who they they traded for traded for jerry
2: stackhouse I will Terrible take Rip trade. Hamilton Terrible. a billion times before I would ever take Jerry Stackhouse. Yeah.
0: 100%. 100%. But, yeah, it's like you you look at Jahidi White, and I'm like, there's no way that he played more seasons after Michael left. And he ended up playing for, like, nine seasons.
1: Most of them with the Wizards. Jay, that game in question, Just, Michael was, real quick, 7 for 21 from the field, 0 for 2 from 3, 2 for 6 three-point re- or from free throw. He had 12 rebounds, which is wild. Four assists, two steals, two blocks, four fouls, nine turnovers.
2: Wow, Jay, you were pretty fucking yeah, close to that stat line.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's wild. I just watched it. I just I watched wanted it. to just share. It this was. Real uh,
0: <laughs> Chahidi. Oh, no, what Oof. a
2: fucking! My God, like look what at this specimen. fucking! Look what at a this specimen. fucking photo. I,
1: I believe <laughs> I don't even know who that is trying
2: to guard him, but my God,
1: I believe that's what scientists call <laughs> a unit. That's a big boy. Yeah, fucking man, David man. versus oh, Goliath
2: That's in that fucking boy. photo, whoever that is.
0: That's a big fucking boy. That's funny. Yeah, just some interesting names on that season. But, like, yeah, I also remember, too, like, and this is this is next season, but, like, Michael making getting into the All-Star game and, like, everybody, like, being on, like, letting him into the game in the fourth quarter. He almost wins the game. Yeah. You guys remember that? He almost wins the game with, like, a yeah, three-corner oh, yeah. in the corner. Like, holy shit, man. It was just – at the time I just remember thinking this is super fucking cool to watch as a guy who didn't get a chance to grow up watching Michael. Like this is just really fucking cool. And, but it was like bittersweet. It was really cool to watch him, but also like, it was like seeing your dad, like he had a new girlfriend and you're just like, she's nice. Like I like, but she's not my mom, you know? Like, I love my mom. She's just not my mom. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Um, (laughs) that was the best analogy I could come up with. Oh man. Uh, Anything else you guys want to talk about in terms of um, Michael on the Wizards? No. I think that's good. No. No. All right. Let's move on to the next thing, which was – Nikki mentioned this in his rundown, as he did, Michael. A major, major, major trade between the Nets and the Suns. I think at the time it was actually a three-team trade. Um, But the Nets trading – Stefan Marbury was like the, the the big piece of the trade. I'm sure there was other players involved that. as well. For to the Suns for Jason Kidd. Actually, I am doing it. I am doing it right now. I remember that trade. Like I vividly remember that trade and just being like, oh my god, because at the time I was still very much in my infancy of like my my basketball knowledge and I was like, I can't believe the Nets traded fucking Stephon Marbury, not realizing what
2: Jason Kidd yeah. was at the time. I was just that ignorant to, to I basketball think most, at the time. I, I think most people would probably be in that same boat. I remember thinking it was wild, too, strictly because they were getting getting Stephon Marbury, who has been, like, who, yes. who who had, like, he was a fun player to watch, man. He was fucking he tight in Minnesota, and then, like, he was cool in New Jersey. Um it 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 is actually crazy like i'm I'm looking at his page right now that like he had such short stints in those places because like he spent the longest time of his career in New York, and I mm-hmm. truly remember him as a net and a son more than I do a Nick, and I was more yeah. into the NBA during his Nick's tenure than I was, you know, pri- I always remember like you know, <clears throat> I agree. I'm on the same boat
1: as a Knick for some reason. Um, but I found the. Yeah, trade I think here. it's too just. I mean,
0: he like, got there. He got there in his his 26th yeah. age. Yeah. And
2: he and he was. I mean, and he was pretty good. But like, obviously, the those Knicks just went through just <laughs> so many internal struggles, which we'll get to. We'll get
1: to. Yeah, we'll, talk we'll get about to. The, I found the, the trade the, by the way of the
2: mid odds. I did too. It was. Uh, if you want to read it, you you may go ahead.
1: Oh. Okay. Yeah. It was Chris Dudley. Uh, and Jason Kidd, they went to the Nets for Stefan Marbury, Johnny Newman, and Sumaila Samaki. Sumaila uh, Samaki. Sumaila Samaki. I don't know how to say his name cool. properly.
0: Many many names besides Chris Charles that yeah. I don't know.
2: Um, what, yeah,
0: I, would, I just remember sh- I
2: remember when that trade. Go go sorry go. I was what? going to say, would it shock you if I were to tell you that Sumaila uh, Samaki is still playing uh, professional basketball? At at this current at what? this current time,
0: only if you said he was yeah. playing in the NBA.
2: <laughs> Fair enough, because he's playing for the Vancouver Dragons. He has not played in the NBA since a stint with the Lakers in two thousand two.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I
2: mean, look, man, I wasn't um, expecting you to think he was playing in the NBA. I just it's just insane <laughs> that he's he's still playing professional basketball. He's forty two. If you would have said the Memphis Grizzlies I would have been
0: like what? Get the fuck out of here What some hockey guy A guy in a train in 2002 he's got to be 41.
2: Oh um, he was suspended he yeah, was suspended from the NBA for steroids. Oh really?
1: What? One of like in five In 2002 people. he was only the go, third buddy. player
2: suspended for steroids following Don McLean and Matt Geiger. Wow. Matt man. <laughs> guys, the, you know that what? list
0: I did not know that Matt Geiger tested positive, but the but the fucking barbed wire <laughs> arm tattoo should have told that, me that
2: that list of 3 players of guys that tested positive for steroids is like pretty sad considering those guys none of those 3 were anything of note in the NBA. No. Like, dude, performance no. enhancing drugs, I don't know. We might not be allowed to call them that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um no
0: so getting back to that trade that that trade completely changed the dynamic of that nets team for the next like seven or eight years like those jason kidd nets teams were the top of the top in the eastern conference for a really really long time i mean this is a team that over the last like five years had drafted guys like Keith Van Horn, Kerry Kittles, uh, 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 Kenyon Martin. You bring that guy into the fold now with a rookie Richard Jefferson. You bring in Jason Kidd, who is, and like at the time, I didn't really know much about Jason Kidd because I wasn't really that well informed. And like he had played in a small market, he had played in Phoenix and he had played in Dallas. So like, and in college, Dallas Stephon is- Marbury was a much bigger been- deal.
2: Pretty big market, I guess. At the time, he was pretty, not at yeah, the time.
0: Not at the time. I mean, at the time, the Cowboys. At were, the time, there the were nobodys
2: you know running that town. Not that they. Not that they. Yeah, still I mean, don't, when when still,
0: when they had Jim Jackson, when they had Jim Jackson, Jamal Mashburn, and and uh, and uh, and uh, fucking Jesus Christ, and Jason Kidd, like that was like, oh my gosh, this team look is really solid, like quite impressive, and then they just never really. They never really came to fruition. Then he goes to Phoenix, plays in a really crowded backcourt with like Kevin Johnson and Steve Nash, uh, and is an all star there and is phenomenal. Then gets traded to New Jersey. And that's when like I mean, like, you're talking about like MVP caliber Jason Kidd for like a three year period there, where like there was two back to back seasons there where he lost the M V P to Tim Duncan, and I genuinely thought like he was robbed. Now, in retrospect, I was incredibly wrong, but at the time he was just so flashy and fun to watch. I don't know what you guys remember about Jason Kidd in that trade.
2: Yeah, I actually like had never been a huge fan of his game. Like you say flashy, but I always thought he was kind of boring. I don't know. Yeah. Like he scored he a lot like, of points. He played a lot like Magic. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it was. And and at that time like that kind of basketball wasn't as like cool as it, as it had been, but it, it also I think has a lot to do with the the time, right? Like, it, you know, we were watching guys like T Mac and and shit, like just you know, yeah. go isolation and yeah, exactly. Like, and, and Jason Kidd wasn't wasn't that kind of player. He was a he was a very no. very very talented player. Jason, um, Jason Kidd. Kidd also a uh, noted scumbag who I really yeah. don't particularly like, but you know we. We'll, there it is. We won't. Uh, we won't talk about his his personal troubles. We'll, we'll, um, we'll avoid that for. Today. I was gonna
1: say Jason Kidd feels like the original like dad playing basketball, like the. Yeah, he, he definitely had a very old man's game. Has the old man game to him, and you're just like, yeah, no, that's he 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 looks like he belongs at the Y with with uh, Magic Patrick Ewing and and Raptors Hakeem Olajuwon, like.
0: Except for except for so two things happen when he goes to New Jersey. Number one, he becomes a much better shooter and basically becomes like a walking triple double. Like any game, he, he had a he had the potential of getting it. Like he was like Russell Westbrook esque at that time. Like very like any day, you were not surprised if Jason yeah. Kidd got a triple double. And number two, while most of the parts of his game were very boring. His passing Unbelievable. was Like Unbelievable. One of the best passers I've ever seen in my life.
1: So fucking Ever. Good.
0: And I think that is what made him... Like, what's funny is, like, you look at those seasons and the two guys that were at the front of the MVP race were two of the most boring players in the NBA and Tim Duncan and Jason Kidd. Like, other than the passing, you got Mr. Fundamental and old man game as like the premier MVP candidates of the NBA at this time. Again, speaking to the early two thousands NBA, like this is yeah. the product that we were getting at that point in time for good, for good just, or for bad. It is what it is. It's what just it was. so
2: funny to even think about, you know, like, yeah. Cause like Dude. you are, you are correct. And the, the flashy part of Jason Kidd's game was like the passes that he threw and like how creative he was at like, you know, getting his teammates like open shots and that kind of thing. Like, it, it, like, Yes incredible passer um not nearly as good of a passer in my opinion is steve nash but we'll get into that in a couple seasons um I still like you are right that like those were the guys winning MVP and you're you you know as a kid you're like god these guys are fucking boring but now like as an adult I'm like oh yeah you know why these guys were like in the front of the MVP race because they were playing basketball the right way and doing like the good like (laughs) fundamentally sound things that uh, they needed to do Uh, it would be it would be like Al Horford
1: winning the MVP nowadays you're just right. Like, exactly. No, I know he's good, exactly. but god damn, is this boring? Like, you could do something more. The this. one
2: thing <laughs> I, I will say too, though, about I've always thought Jason Kidd was another one of those guys that was pretty overrated. He, for the majority of his career, shot sub forty percent from the floor. Oh, even he was really even, bad. E, like, like, like even really, his really late bad. seasons in Dallas. Like even his veteran seasons. Like he was a, a terrible, terrible scorer. Like he he. He no, took a lot matter. of shots to not score that many points. So I'm, I always, I'm always like a little hesitant because like, I've been knocking on a lot of these guys and I've always been a little hesitant to like knock too much on the guys that played in this era for their field goal percentage, but at the same time, like you guys got to clean it up. You know what I mean? Like You can't be yeah. shooting fucking 38% from the floor. He he was an MVP runner-up or finished third for the MVP in a year that he shot 38% from the floor. Yeah, that's <laughs> like That's absurd great. to me. <laughs> Like, oh man. That, and that's, I think that's part of the reason why I always, like, sort of, like, dismiss how good he was. Like, he was a pretty good player, but at the same time, like, you know, he was, like, it's like, bro, like, you're out here shooting that broke-ass jump. What, what's astounding is he was a, a pretty decent three-point shooter. Like, he shot, like, 35% or or so from three, but, like... That was and it was generally about in line with what his normal field goal percentage was, which is is very weird. Like you don't you don't normally see that. But I do remember you know at times like people would call him Jayless Kid because he had no jumper. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's a good that's a good one. Also, real quick, oh man, the, real so quick, I just, sorry. The go uh, ahead. the season prior when when AI won the MVP, he shot thirty nine percent from the field, thirty nine point eight. Like oh, we covered that. I know we talked about but it's we just like, that. I never really thought about like how just trash some of these guys were when it so comes bad. to like, just they just didn't have good. That's
0: why, that's why Tim Duncan was so valuable. It's just like, yeah, he's shooting like nearly 60% yeah. from the field um, and is a phenomenal defensive player, incredibly efficient on the offensive end. And also all his yeah. teammates really love him. So Jason Jason Kidd was also
2: a good, a good defender and he. He had a very good game. He rebounded. He passed well. Like, I'm not trying to shit all over this guy, but he was a good defender.
1: You know, he just was, he
2: just fucking was an inefficient fucking shooter.
1: Yeah, he couldn't shoot with shit.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and that, that trade did not work out as well for the Suns. Like, listen, the Suns made the playoffs in consecutive years. With Stephon Mar- there, uh, Marbury there, and like they had Sean Marion, and then Penny Hardaway, like a, an older Penny Hardaway. Later on, they drafted Amari Stoudemire. So like, there were some good teams there in Phoenix with Stefan Marbury, um, but like the results didn't even, they weren't even close. I think I, actually if I remember correctly, he, I think I the Nets had like he was
2: there during his last season. There was Amari's rookie year, right? Uh, I think he was there for a couple
0: more seasons. Actually, let me just take a look here. I kind of
2: forgot that they played together. In all honesty,
0: oh, yeah. like this, this honestly
2: these episodes have been fun to do for no reason <laughs> than just to like remember shit that I had forgotten about. You know what I mean? Like, yeah.
0: So they played together two thousand two, two thousand three, two thousand three, two thousand four, and then two th- and that was it. Then so they was in only Steve the two Madge, seasons, but they also okay. had yeah. Uh, three seasons. Three seasons. Three seasons total. Oh, okay.
1: Shit. Wow. Okay. I'm an idiot. It felt yeah. like you. So three seasons to total. You don't. I just. I don't remember them together. That right? Much either.
2: I cannot. I cannot. Yeah. Wait. Three seasons. Three I seasons cannot total. Wait for about two episodes from now, so we can talk about those Suns teams.
1: Yeah, they are fun. <laughs> old fun Suns.
2: They're they're old. Those heinous ass
1: <laughs> jerseys that they had back <laughs> then too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. Oh no, two seasons. I'm sorry, you're right, two seasons. But they also had Joe Johnson on the. I remember when, yeah, I remember remember, when Joe Johnson
2: left to go to the Hawks. It was such a big deal because like he left, he left uh, like right when the 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 Suns were still at that point of just not being able to get over the hump to beat the Lakers. We'll talk about it. I'm not going to get too far into it. Like yeah. I could just talk about this all day long. But yeah, I remember. I remember Joe Johnson scoring like you know like 22 a game for those Suns teams who had like Sean Marion scoring like 20 and Amari scoring 20. That team, those teams scored like 115 points, 116 points a game, but also gave up like 117.
0: <laughs> we'll we'll talk we'll talk. Yeah. About them. So. So looking at the Nets, so the Nets make mm-hmm. a a marketed improvement. From the previous season, where they finished twenty six and fifty six with Stephon Marbury, and then the season when Jason Kidd comes on board, they finished fifty two and thirty, finished first in the NBA overall, and make it to the finals with Byron Scott as their head coach. Um, He he had I mean he had an immediate impact, and that team was like pretty solid. Like I, I was Nikki and I were watching the game earlier today, and I had watched a couple games earlier, like. You have Keith Van Horn, Kerry Kittles, Todd McCullough, uh, 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 Jason Collins, fucking Lucius Harris. You remember the Lucius Harris with the face mask? No, he didn't need it. I totally forgot about him until I was watching yeah, the game.
1: He, he didn't have to wear it, but he did anyway. It, yeah, I He still remember. wore it. Kenyon um, Martin. Like, Kenyon Martin, Brian Scalabrini, Aaron Williams. I forgot Brian Scalabrini was on that team. <laughs> interesting.
0: In, interesting teams. Like, really interesting team. Pretty solid team overall that made it to the finals two years in a row like Jason Kidd like took that team from the bottom of the Eastern Conference to a finals contender in like for for really the the longevity of his career in new jersey um and we'll talk about vince carter in later episodes but like that team just kept reloading over a period of years there like they brought in alonzo at one point they brought in Dikembe at one point they bring in vince carter at one point gerald wallace at one point like they're just like there's a revolving door of guys trying to keep that thing going for for that like like early to mid 2000s period but yeah that trade was i i i I remember that trade vividly as, as like a really substantial like really phenomenal trade um so let's uh actually i just want to pull up nikki do you have uh could you pull up the season awards yeah, for that season i just want to run through those real quick um and i think i was gonna say let's i'm gonna bypass the other trade that we were gonna talk about since yeah, we're already like good. an hour in
1: um if you want to talk about what it other a little trade bit were, while i ahead, Talk about for a little
0: bit. Well, the only other trade that I was going to talk about was the trade between the Bulls and the Pacers that sent Brad Miller and Ron Artest to the Pacers, uh, and sent Jalen Rose, Travis Best, and like some other randos to uh, to Chicago. I think Antonio Davis. Weirdly enough,
2: kind of a equal trade.
0: No, that's not true. At the time, yeah. When you look at it, when you look at it in a vacuum and you do a little revisionist history, the Bulls got what they needed out of J.R. Rose. He was a 20-point scorer. I met him at Wrigley when he threw out the first pitch. He was a really nice guy. Uh, he, was cool. he was cool to have as a Bulls player. Like I remember being really excited about him, despite the fact that we yeah.
2: sucked so hard. And the thing um, is, too, here's, then, the thing. here's the, the thing. Bulls, that trade, like, what did that trade do for the Bulls? Like, I think there's a lot of people from from Chicago that, was that, a terrible that trade. lament the loss of Ron Artest. But, like, dude, Ron Artest was never going to get you guys over a hump that Jalen Rose couldn't have gotten you over, to tell you the truth. I mean, that's just... And, yeah, and, but here's the difference, though. he Ron Artest was a, was a though. phenomenal... He was a great player when he was young, and he was a, he was a good player towards the end of his career, too, but... I mean, he wasn't the the way that those Bulls teams at that this time were managed, like, you know, Elton Brand ship him out, like, you know, get Eddie Curry, get Tyson Chandler, like all that shit that they were doing, like none of their moves made any sense and Ron Artest was certainly not going to be the solution to any of those problems.
0: I don't I don't disagree with you. I think at the time though we were in like so the I was listening. I've been listening to the redraftables, as many of the listeners probably already heard me say at, at nauseum at this point. But like the Bulls had an opportunity to rebuild and like were stockpiling assets and good players and just fucked it all. up like hard. Like they they drafted Elton Brand, they drafted Jamal Crawford, they drafted Ron Artest, Brad Miller. Everyone who, except for Jamal Crawford, has been an All Star and has many of which had very productive seasons as the Bulls.
2: Just mm-hmm. multiple, not
1: once pe- or uh, six man of the year, six. Yeah, man I mean, away. I'm, never, I'm never not, I'm not an all star.
2: It's and I, I should say I'm not terribly yeah. shocked. I would, I I just wouldn't have been shocked if he had an an all star game appearance under his belt. Yeah, you know what one. I mean? Like he's the kind of guy who's like, oh yeah, he, you know, one year when when he averaged twenty two points a game off the bench, he got in. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. Hey, no, I mean, he was the I, NBA. No, the thing. He was they the
2: s- NBA teammate of the year in 2018.
0: I mean, and that says a lot, okay? Everybody loves Jamal Crawford, but here's the thing. Ron Artest and Brad Miller go to Indiana and both make all-star teams while they're over there. Jalen Rose leaves after two seasons. Okay,
1: that's that's, that's, valid. That's that's valid. Um, Let's go to the – Yeah, I I, I get it. I'm going to go over to the League Awards and all this stuff now. We're going to shift over here. First off for League Awards, MVP of the 2001-2002 season, Tim Duncan. Uh, as we already, ta- we I thought we already knew that. that. A little, no, we discussed that a little bit. Yeah. It, it, ah, yeah I had mentioned it. it. Um, rookie of the year this season, Paul Gasol. Uh, he had a very good season. Uh, I got
2: to, I, I got to do this. I hate to do this because we've been giving Jay shit for D- Uh but it's it's pow. Oh, it's pow. It's not. It's not, it's not like it's not Paul without the L. But that's it's. This is Powell. this is. Uh, <laughs> This is how everybody
1: does this. Like I
2: see I see the broadcasters on, on fucking T V do this. So you're yeah. not alone, Nikki, and I, I'm sorry, I didn't want you to think I was being a jerk, but I just it's had It's okay.
1: Deal. I understand.
0: Can we just I just want to really quickly go through uh Tim Duncan's MVP numbers from that year. He averaged twenty six, two point nine blocks, thirteen rebounds, and four assists, um, all while shooting a grand total of fifty percent from the field. And those are just like regularly like that was just regular scheduled programming for Mr. Tim Duncan during that period. Well yeah, I mean, he the was big fundamental. Man. Incredible. Yeah. And Paul Gasol, that rookie season, like, you're talking about a guy like I cannot believe I cannot believe that he wasn't drafted number one overall yeah, in that draft. Like the Bill Simmons just did the redraftables for the 2001 draft, and like that was the first year where like the high schoolers just went like crazy. Three out of Eddie the Curry top four Wilson, picks were high uh, school
1: kids: Tyson Chandler, uh, Kwame Brown. It was it was too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see this year, and then Pogasol yeah. also three like uh, with averaging like 18
2: also points. Also weird a game. to think too that like even in 2001, teams were drafting centers with their uh, with their like high picks. Yeah, and like we 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 were still we were still sort of stuck in that like, the big the big man. (laughs) So much so
0: that the Bulls wanted two. So much so that the Bulls wanted two. You fucking idiots! For fucking Elton Brand, who took the Clippers to the fucking Western Conference Finals. You stupid fucks! You stupid,
2: stupid fucks! Is is taking those two, like that, the equivalent to taking Johnny Flynn and
1: Ricky Rubio back to back? It right before taking <laughs> Steph Curry. Yes, it's exactly yes. that.
0: It's exactly that because Tyson Chandler ended up having a decent career overall, but it still wasn't better than Elton Brand and Eddie Curry. Not all his fault, but definitely some his fault. Was only good for one season with the Bulls, but was like had a heart problem and also was lazy as all fucking hell. But he was a local kid.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I read a so, I read a thing by I him on the Players Tribune. And I love the Players Tribune, but I do think like it, it gives players kind of an opportunity to like whitewash themselves a little bit, you know, like to to make yeah. it like you know like but yeah. palatable to a larger but, like, audience. He, well, no, what I mean though is like it's like oh, like you know, I uh, like I I wasn't uh, you know uh, like I I I I wasn't lazy. Everybody just thought I was, and it's like no, man, you you were though, because like I read his. I read his thing, um, I read his, like, article about that in the the Players' Tribune, and I was like, there's probably a decent amount of truth to this, but there's also probably a decent amount of you, like, trying to, like, kind of cover your, your own ass, but, you know, I, I digress. Also, um... I was just looking at my Facebook page real quick, and uh, on my results is Suggested for You, Orlando Magic, and it's a post from a thing called Basketball Network that says, How the Orlando Magic ruined their franchise in the mid-'90s.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Um, all right, guys, next, next one we have Defensive Player of the Year, uh, Ben Wallace. His stats for that season, it was first his first one, one. Right? he had 13 rebounds a game. Uh, averaged 1.7 steals and three and a half blocks.
0: I'm gonna wait till next podcast to the well, not next podcast.
1: Yeah,
0: two podcasts from now to get into the Ben the Wallace, ben Wallace conversation. Yeah,
1: it's the start, It's the start of Ben Wallace's like real flourishing career. He didn't get an All Star this year. The, the next season he will. Uh, most improved player, yeah. Jermaine O'Neal. Really good for yeah. those
0: Pacers teams for a long time, he, for a so really, he, really long this time. This
1: that. That season he was an all star, averaging nineteen points. Uh, he averaged ten and a half rebounds, one point six assists. He was one of my
2: favorite players players of this time. Like I think a lot of guys He's liked so him. Fun. He, had, he had the headband and the cornrows and like he was just a cool player and he was really good. Uh, Got a good right hook. Yeah, he was he was a guy that a lot of I, I really liked him, like <laughs> in the early two thousands. I think one of my favorite memories is like circa like two thousand eight, maybe two thousand nine. Uh, he was still playing he had put on uh, what appeared to be a considerable amount of weight had uh, as, as had such contemporaries as boris Diaw and vince carter and i remember debating with my brother which <laughs> fat player we liked more whether we liked like <laughs> i was i was a big fan of fat boris Diaw. fat boris Diaw was great he was great, was great. It was great. Um, that's a, oh, that's man. a conversation I, for another yeah. time but <laughs>
0: Yeah, I have. A, I was gonna say too. I have a lot to say about those mid two thousands or early two thousands Pacers teams, but we'll wait until the episodes where their storyline becomes
1: exactly. more prevalent. Fix um, six six man of the year, Corliss Williamson. Yeah, really? He Who was, was he with at, at that, that point? Two thousand one, two thousand two, Detroit. Uh, yeah, he, he was had, still with Detroit. And
2: then he went to the he went to the Kings a couple seasons later.
1: Uh, no, no, it was the opposite.
0: He was with the Kings Is and then got great? traded to yes. Detroit.
1: You and are right. And then he, right. goes, and then he right. goes to, well, then he goes to Philly and back to Sacramento. So, but he yeah. he's averaging, uh, what was it in this season? He's averaging thirteen point six points, four point one rebounds, one point two assists. That's interesting. Yeah, I
0: mean, he was solid for those Kings teams. He just wasn't. Yeah. He just wasn't the guy. Uh, but what a segue. What a segue because, guys, I want to wrap up today's podcast by talking about one of the most memorable series in NBA history, the 2002 Western Conference Finals between the Lakers and the Sacramento Kings. Now, Nikki and I had a little bit of a watch session the other day and got a chance to watch Game 1 and Game 4 of this seven-game series. Um, So we have some things to say, but, Tad, take us back to 2002. What was little Tad thinking at this time, or what does big Tad think now about that series when he remembers about thing
2: is little little tad at that time was a short little fat kid who liked playing basketball and now now i'm just a taller sort of overweight guy <laughs> I, i'm just i'm putting on all i'm putting back on all the weight that i lost and I, I gotta i gotta get my shit uh in gear lauren lauren ordered us a exercise bike today that will be here <laughs> next week so i'm nice. pretty excited about that nice. I just got to stop eating so much and being such a lazy piece of shit, but it's hard in the quarantine. It's hard out here for <laughs> a fat guy hilarious. in the quarantine. Mm. That's, uh, that's, that's really a, a new song that I'm writing that will be performed by 3-6 Mafia. <laughs> A spiritual sequel to It's hard out here for a pimp Anyway uh, we're, we're we're way off topic uh, Yeah man When I was that age uh, I, I wore number four For my basketball jersey And I had a pair of The freshest white Seaweb dadas You could possibly Ever own Of course you did Of course you did Dude I really truly Truly T-Mac got me into basketball but the Kings, those early two thousands Kings teams, were really what like made me stay. Um, just like Doug Christie, yeah. Mike Bibby, uh, fucking Vlade Divac, you know Chris Webber. Obviously, Chris Webber was my favorite player. I liked him more than T Mac, and I loved. I remember T-Mac. you
0: saying that
2: Chris Webber is and and has been one of my favorite players uh, ever. I, I loved him. Uh, you know, Lawrence Funderburg, Bobby Jackson. Like, I know this isn't all from the same year, but like Jason Williams, like just player after player, Pedro Stojakovic. I loved that guy. Dude, I'd fucking fire up NBA oh, yeah. Live 2 and just fucking rain threes with that guy. Uh, and I remember this year being like, this is the year, this Kings team, they're going to win a championship. I have games at home on blank, like, unlabeled VHS tapes, and it's just games that I recorded from this season as a kid because they always played on the West Coast, and I was too young to stay up to watch the games. I had a bedtime. Your boy had a bedtime. His mom was like, "Uh uh-uh, you quarantined (laughs) to your bedroom. So I had to go to, you know. But, like, that series was so back and forth, and now knowing what we know about it being ultimately rigged by the officials— and and Tim Donahue and that sort of thing it's so disappointing because that team should have won a won a championship that team if there was ever yeah. a team to like truly <clears throat> challenge that those Lakers dominance like that team was perfectly constructed to do so. You had Divac sort of at the end of his career, but could still match up with Shaq. You had Chris Weber who nobody could guard. You had a phenomenal backcourt with Christie and Jason Williams and, and Mike Bibby. Like just like arguably the most fun team I have ever watched in my life.
0: So I asked Nikki this the other day, and I'd be interested to know your answer on this. So Rank these three most disappointing teams having not won a championship: the OKC, Russ James Harden Thunder, the Shaq Penny Magic, or the 2002 uh, Sacramento Kings. Rank them in order from one to three.
2: Wait, hold on. Go go back. Just the Thunder the, that lost to the Heat, right? The Kings, and who was the other one? Yep. I missed that. Ninety,
0: like the early night, like the early nineties uh, Magic with Shaq and
2: Penny. Um, I'm going to say Orlando, Sacramento, Oklahoma City. And I'll tell you why. And Nikki, what were oh, yours sorry. again? Go ahead.
1: Oh, mine was, um, Oklahoma City, Orlando, and then the Kings. I truly, I truly think that yeah. the OKC one's the most, like, egregious.
0: I have them as my number two. I think, I think the Magic are third on my list, actually. Which is interesting that we all have three completely Let me tell you lists. why
2: that Orlando team was so fucking loaded and you had prime Shaq and you had prime Penny before all the injuries. Like, those teams, that team was unbelievable. That, I mean, that team, like, if if they hadn't, you know, gotten rid of Shaq, I, I can, I'm gonna say this and this is probably outlandish and I do not care, but if that team, if they hadn't fucked around and lowballed Shaq and kept him in Orlando and they'd have kept that core intact, there's a chance that Jordan doesn't have the second three-peat. Now, we could also say if my aunt, if my aunt had a penis, she'd be my uncle. Because this didn't happen, so I mean, we're not <laughs> going to talk about, you know, what if scenarios. I'm just making my point.
0: Now, it's the only one it, what if scenario I ever wanted to talk about. That so, one right there.
2: <laughs> now I want to meet your aunt. I said if she had one, she doesn't. As far as I'm concerned, I don't actually. I don't know. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but then the Kings teams, I loved those Kings teams so much and they were so good and they were the perfect foil to those Lakers teams that those Kings teams were like almost like a cornerstone of like what modern basketball is, you know, like Chris, Chris Webber was a, was a. Was a guy who shot from 18 feet He didn't always play back to the basket You know, he was a guy that would face you up From 15 and then take you off The dribble um, He was a very similar, like, I always say That LaMarcus Aldridge was the next step in evolution Of Chris Webber
1: I told Jay um, when we were watching it um, yeah. I feel like the Kings of this 2002 season Feels like the current Iteration of the Raptors Where Chris Webber would be Pascal Siakam And um uh Mike Bibby would be would be Kyle Lowry,
0: yeah. And you have like Vladi Divac because like they're yeah. Marcus soul like you've you've got some interesting pieces there. Kind of racist, like they're just like OG
2: one another because they're both foreign white guys. <laughs> okay. uh, let's see what kind of podcast I'm on. I I um, I, <laughs> but you then <laughs> then like Oklahoma City, I just put last because I just don't think that team was ready for prime time. They just weren't quite there yet. They That's were fair. still. So I young. understand that. Um. Those games were when Nikki and I watched
0: rewatched these games the other day. Um, we brought this up a little earlier when we were talking about Jason Kidd, but like so many missed three. Oh, so many. Like from not just everybody. missed, not just missed. Who wide open three pointers missed on the regular from yeah. everybody from like guys who were like, oh Derek Fisher's open. Oh uh, okay. Clink. Oh Kobe's open. Clink. Oh Doug Christie! Ooh, oh Robert Dory! Oh no pa- man, no uh, hey, Hito.
2: Dude, oh Pedro Klink, didn't miss, probably.
0: Yeah. No, but he Pedro was, also didn't play hurt. in that series, so um, that is correct. Yeah, that really sucked. Uh,
2: Doug Christie, I always remembered as being like, um, like a, a sharpshooter, and I was just looking him up the other day. I'm gonna pull it back up here. I always remembered him just him and Mike Bibby being like lights out from three, but like they they really they really weren't. <laughs> Uh, no. They were not. <laughs> they probably they were not. Shot, like.
0: I would say, relative to to what we knew as basketball at that point, they were like, they have
2: burners. But now you're just like, wow, like f- yeah. This, you sh- I, would, I wouldn't. I wouldn't let this cat take four shots in a game for me now. You know? No. <laughs> there's no way. No way. Also, f-
0: like Peja the only guy on that team that gets a green fact, light. Fun uh, fact:
2: Chris Christie or Chris Christie, <laughs> former governor <laughs> <in> of New Jersey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Doug, uh, Doug, Doug Christie and his wife, uh, are like really open about like their, their like sexual, uh, relationship. And like they do, like, they write, they have books about it and like all this stuff. It's very fascinating. Actually, Doug Christie was, uh, that year he shot 35% and the following year he shot 40% from three. So, Maybe better than I, I give him so, credit yeah. for, but like he has, Not terrible. he has like some good seasons and some like. Cra- he was a career thirty five percent three point shooter, so you know better than you'd think. But he was also, Not he bad. was also my Not god, bad. dude, forty two percent shooter from the floor. Like, <laughs> why are all these guys so inefficient? Like, why was basketball <laughs> in two thousand two? It's the mid range, dude. It's
0: when the mid range. It's the mid range At one
1: point. So the ball's kicked out to Bobby Jackson. He pump fakes it. I think it was Kobe who who, who bites for it and comes flying past him. He steps to the right. T- today's NBA, he knocks down that open three. Not in this game. He steps up to shoot a fucking 18-footer. <laughs> like, he takes a dribble in. And it goes in, but it fucking hits the, it hits the rim like two or three times before it went in. And I was just like, oh, my God, like, you guys cannot shoot. I
2: remember, like, just as, like, a kid and, like, a middle schooler and all that shit, like, just always being taught, like, oh, yeah, like, dribble, you know, take that one dribble in, you know, get a little closer, a higher yeah. percentage shot. It's like, what a step load of horse it. shit that was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd always be told, like, step into it, dribble in yeah,
1: more. And I'm just like, but uh, the three's worth more. Oh.
0: The, those mid-range man it's it it was tough to watch but i will say this that kings team the most fun part about that team was as far as like ball movement was concerned those fucking guys could yeah. pass, man and the ball movement was so fluid like you had they i was talking to nicky when we were watching the game like what a luxury to have a guy like vlade and chris webber who were like top top tier in terms of big man Ball like playmaking capabilities like both of them were like top passers, top playmakers during that time and really of yeah. all time in terms of like playmaking big men like both of them at the top of their games. Hedo as like a six nine small forward who could like stretch the floor and also could like play make. I have a hot take. I think Mike Bibby was the best player on that team during that playoff run. I really do. So I think like consistent wise, yeah. like I think he was the best he player was... on that team throughout the entirety of the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, I would agree with
2: that. Uh which is crazy. Like, like that was like two, like also like the pinnacle of Mike Bibby's career was like, he had like two or three good seasons. Um, and that, uh, like what's, what's crazy to think about too, is that like they, the Kings were first in point or, or second in points per game that year. They were, uh, first in, uh, in pace. They were third in offensive rating and they were, um, They were sixth in defensive rating. Like, that team was actually super, super, super good. Incredible.
0: Incredible team. Incredible. And that's what makes this series so heartbreaking. Like, namely Game 4. So, for the listeners, I mean, Tad, do you remember where you were for Game 4? Because I remember, and I told Nikki, funny fact, you and I were probably in the same state when this game was happening because I was in Iowa during a baseball tournament with my team and we all crowded up in a hotel room, uh, that day after we had played a game, uh, a days full of baseball games at the ripe old age of 13. And, uh, we watched that game together as a group in my coach, David, David Iaculo, RIP, in his room as a group. And, uh, we all lost our minds after that Robert Ori shot. Um, and Nikki yeah. was in that room as well. <laughs> now that I think about it, that was a fun day. Uh, well, I know, I
2: know, I know, <sighs> I know where I was. I was in the basement of my parents' house, uh, watching the game on a uh, like old CRT TV. Uh, Hell given yeah! That it was 2002. <laughs> uh, my friend Alan was over, and we watched it together. So yes, I, I do recall.
0: There you go. Uh, for the listeners who don't remember, the Sacramento Kings go up big in the first quarter. Um, to at the end of the first quarter with a massive lead. The largest lead of the game is 23 points, but the Lakers have a massively successful third quarter, and the Kings cannot buy a shot in the third quarter, scoring only 15 points, if I remember correctly. Um, The Lakers then cut it down. To two um, towards the end of the game. Kobe drives to the basket, misses his shot. Everybody's going for the rebound. Shaq grabs the rebound, puts it up, misses his shot. Vladi Divac makes the right play, by the way. Makes the right play and tips the basketball away from the basket with just about a second left in the game. Unfortunately, Mr. Big Shot Bob, was standing That's at the top of the bitch. key, grabs the ball and knocks down the three-pointer with like one second left and the Lakers yeah. win by one. Do you ever think about...
2: Between between that shot and the the Derek Fisher prayer against the Spurs, With like
1: what point four seconds or something. Point four like that?
2: seconds left. It, that those two shots changed the entire out like landscape of of NBA basketball. Yeah. If if if, if yeah, uh, the, I, th- if Robert Ory doesn't hit that shot, the Kings win that series.
0: I guarantee it. And. Oh no 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 no! I agree with that. I'm. I don't know that I feel the same about the Derek, I mean, Fisher, shot, so the Derek Fisher shot though. The Derek Fisher
2: shot that they they went to the finals and won again. No, Derek Fisher was playing with the Jazz at that no, point. No, dude. No 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 no. No, he hit a a shot in the playoffs against the Spurs with point four seconds left, that effectively that took the Lakers to the play, to the finals, and or like that might have forced the game seven, which they won. It, it, I it, either way. And if if those things don't happen, the Lakers have two less championships, and we may not we we might not remember Kobe and those Lakers teams like we we do. Yeah,
0: I uh, I can't disagree with that. I think the Robert Ori one is the biggest one because to Tad's point, at that point, sorry, they did not they did not win the finals that
2: year. That Derek Fisher hit that shot. That was the year they got beat by the Pistons. But the point still stands.
1: Yeah, that's the o four o five or o four 4 season, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. Okay, I see this. I, I'm i not going to lie. Oh, I forgot I'll, about I'll this. I always
1: remember that one. That one was a wild one.
0: I've, I've completely forgot about this. I've blocked turns this out of memory. around,
1: chucks up a prayer, and it goes straight in. Chucks it. He chucks it. He chucks it. There's literally. <laughs> like, I will admit, though, because we watched the game. Robert Rory, that was a smooth shot. It wasn't a chuck. It oh, was like yeah. A, he a, a, stepped He legit, stepped into it. It's uh, it's pure. He was yeah, ready no, for it. it. was a it good was shot. Like, oh, thank you. That was a fucking practice shot for him. Like, he's used to that shot.
0: Oh, you know what? I do remember this, but I remember it more for the Tim Duncan off-balance like, off shot. I do remember that, too.
1: <laughs>
0: sure. Yeah.
2: yeah. It's reasonable.
1: But, yeah. I remember this now. The... This game, this series went to seven games, right? And then the game after this is when the Nets play... The series after this is Nets versus Lakers, and the fucking Lakers just sweep them. The- yeah, well, so what's interesting is, like... So this game, game four was
0: the game that everybody remembers from this series yeah. because of the shot. So this game actually ties the series at 2-2. The, <laughs> the fucking Kings end up going on to win the next game, and then the Lakers have to win back-to-back games to win this series. And this is where the Tim Donahue stuff comes into play. And the NBA had its yeah. fingers in the outcome of this series. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of documentation and breakdown of that. Um, it's pretty hard to argue at this point. Um, but and really incredibly disappointing, game six, but game fuck, six I love of this. this series. This, 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 this King's game, real team,
1: quick game six of this series, oof. Shaquille O'Neal scored 41 points and had 17 rebounds in game six, in game 41 six. points, 17 rebounds. Oh, sure. That's
2: outrageous.
1: Yeah, he. There was nobody that could stop him, though. Like, I mean, L-
0: Vladi had a couple couple good games against him, but like, dude, you watch him against Tom McCullough in the finals, and like, look, no shot at Tom McCullough. Tom McCullough was a was a passable NBA player, like not great, but he was fine as an NBA player. Um, but like, I just you just he just, just you have no chance against this guy. He's the most dominant player. No, in NBA dude, it history. was it was
2: like it was like watching like honestly, it was like watching Tyson fight like you know like like white like old white dudes
0: you know what I mean that so but that is like that is like the perfect comparison though because Tyson is like a lot of people give him shit for the quality of people that he fought because when he finally started fighting guys that were like of a high quality like Lennox Lewis and like Evander Holyfield he started getting his ass whooped like but for a while there when he was defending his title he was incredibly dominant but a lot of people argue that the quality of heavyweights that he was competing against were like Todd McCullough, yeah.
1: basically. Well, Shaq had a, was against Chris Webber and Vlade Divac in this series, and he averaged 30.3 points, 13.6 rebounds, 2.4 blocks. He's
0: so fucking good, man. And then, so real quick, good. this is what um, he
1: averaged – because Shaq wins the finals MVP. This is what he averaged in the finals, 36.3, 12.3, and 3.8. Dominance.
0: I mean – what else do you need, man? The guy was dominant. The team was dominant. We don't really need to talk about the finals unless you guys really I want can. to. But it was a sweep. It was a clean sweep. That Nets team was fucking undermanned uh, and really not that good in retrospect. But the 2002 season, man, I'll forever, I'll forever remember it for that Kings team, man. That Kings yeah, team is just burning like, in my memory as like, one, one, one of my favorite teams, the
2: most entertaining, uh, like most entertaining teams of of all time. Yep. I mean that that was yeah, that man. that is one of the well, listen, that is a top a top team in NBA history. I I probably put them for single season teams somewhere somewhere near in yeah. in or near the top 10 I yeah. agree I think top
0: 10 regular season team of all time I, yeah I can give them that no question uh, um so we've been going for almost an hour and 40 minutes so I think we should probably wait before we end thing this up.
2: I got to ask the last thing Robert Ory, Hall of Famer What Robert time. Horry, Hall of Famer
0: Oh man So Nikki and I Were talking about this The other day Cause he does have he has Seven, seven rings, rings And like I don't Did he win a Did he win any like Major awards no, I don't think he no. did
2: No He, he, he ever no He was uh, He was all rookie team I'm just trying to Pull up And he up was a he was, a he was and, like, a Pretty good uh, College player But not Not great
0: Oh man, he's a tough one. No major awards, no all nbas
2: My answer is uh, my answer a, is no. Man, because the titles alone are not enough. Yeah, I kind of asked this I'm question. Just trying as to see, a joke. Like, I mean his best season in the NBA he averaged twelve points a game.
0: Yeah, his according to basketball reference, his Hall of Fame probability is three point eight. So <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't, It's there's no chance. He's got seven. He's got. He, here's here's the thing though. There are guys like Nikki and I were talking about this the other day. John Sally has like five championship yeah. rings. Well, he's now. This is
1: what I had said.
0: He was only a major contributor on two of those teams. Robert Rory was a major contributor on every single team Again, he I'm going to say
1: this with. real quick. I don't think Robert Rory would ever make it to the Hall of Fame, but I think he is, like, the ultimate role player. If you needed that guy who just could get you minutes, like, even when it – and, like, good minutes in, like, you know, in the heart of the playoffs, Robert Rory was capable of doing that for you. And I think that's – I think had Robert Ori had like an Andre
0: Iguodala type playoff series where he ends up winning the MVP of the finals, now we're having a different conversation. Um, but yeah, I don't think Andre
2: Iguodala should be. I don't think Andre should be a Hall of Famer. But that's a conversation. Andre Iguodala's gonna make the hall of for another time. So anyway, make the Hall of Famer.
0: All right. Well, uh, if we don't have anything else, guys, let's uh, let's let's plug and let's uh let's Follow get me on, on Twitter
1: here. at Tad Hall underscore. Follow me on Instagram at Nikki Palooza. And you can follow me
0: at, uh... J underscore
1: Heelas on Instagram and Twitter you can follow
0: NBA at NBA pod on Instagram Twitter and Facebook please don't forget to give the podcast a five-star rating and review we greatly appreciate it we're putting a lot of decent amount of work into these Nikki's putting in the most work I think at this point um, those those uh, those intros to eight season are chef's kiss so um, yeah make sure and give the podcast a five-star rating and review check us out on Instagram we put out a lot more content there per usual all right well for Tad for Nikki for Jay, this has been NBA We're out.